Let's give you a praise this morning, would you? Thank you for coming. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, Independence Day. Independence Day. So we are, have the freedom to burn, to loot, to steal, to kill, and not have to pay any fine or get locked up in jail. Except if you're a white Christian that jaywalks across the road the wrong way. Then it's a $2,000 fine in five years in the pen. So it is coming. It is here. Not only is the condition here, but the presence is here to fulfill the word. For we are promised one more outpouring of the Spirit for the resurrection and the rapture. Amen. We enjoyed our trip. I had to tell a little story on Sister Gregory. When we was in Estes Park, and how many knows? How many's ever been to Colorado? Estes Park up in that altitude. There's not enough air for anybody to breathe. I don't know how they make it. And we was getting ready to come back, and, and naturally you have problems with everything. My door on my trike wouldn't close. I'd been closing all the time, pump, and all of a sudden it wouldn't close. So you got to get your tools out, and you're standing there. And I noticed Sister Gregory was getting kind of weak, you know, or leaning. I said, well, just sit down on the bike. If you pass out, you can't fall nowhere. I mean, you just, you just, you're sitting in there like a cage, you know. No sooner had I set her down, she out like a light. <laughs> she said, how long was I out? Well, she went out too long, so we started drinking water and whatever more. So we got her delivered from that fainting spell. Amen. I said, I can't carry you in, and I can't pick you up, so just get up and sit down. If you pass out, well, then you'll be there. <laughs> and she was there. She stayed out. I'll just have to ride her home, but that's all right. But uh, we had a good time. It's all, all that's, You know, the bad things is the only thing you remember on a trip. First four days, it didn't have any hot water. RV had no hot water. So I'd get the manual out, and I'd get the computer out, and I'd watch the videos and whatever more. And I'd go out to the exhaust fan. They got hot water in the tank, but no hot water. So the fourth day, here comes the guy across. And I said, are you the guy that owns that RV there? He said, yeah. I said, I like that. He said, I like the one you got. I said, yeah, but... I got no hot water. He said, no hot water. He said, my Lord, how, you, the wife don't want no hot water. He said, man, we got to get you some hot water. So he gets his computer out, and he looks in here and what more. I said, you're not going to find it in there. He said, I've, <laughs> I've already looked in there. And he looked around, and he looked around. You know, there's guys that's that way, you know. Finally, he said, let's go inside. He went inside. He dug underneath the cabinet, which I didn't even know you could get under there. He said, see them three valves there? He said, he said, one of them's turned off that should be on. One of them's on that should be off. I said, well, he said, now you want me to turn them? I said, sure, turn them. <laughs> he said, I'm just going to let you know now. I'm turning this one off, and I'm turning this one on. I said, if it gets me hot water, you can turn all three of them on. And he said, see, they turned this one off, so-and-so, and they turned that off to do so-and-so, but then they forgot to turn this back on. Then we had hot water. I could take a bath after four days, and Sister Gregory was glad of that. But everything went great. Amen. Amen. So we're glad to be here this morning. Emmy is glad to be here. 
How many believe you're saved from sin? How many believe you're saved from sickness? Because if you're saved from sin, you're saved from sickness. And that's our subject this morning, the kingdom of God. He said, how come you titled it the kingdom? The kingdom is the gospel. Many people do not realize, they say, I believe in Christianity. Christianity is in one thing. Jesus was a man who proclaimed that he was the son of God, that he was the sacrifice to reconcile us to God, and those that believe upon him would be a part of his kingdom. And his gospel was the gospel of the kingdom. That's what he preached. His healing ministry and signs and wonders was to vindicate that he was the Messiah who would to lead and guide us in a kingdom. If you are a believer, you are believing that you will have a part in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, a royal privilege, a royal position in that kingdom, which we believe is a thousand years of the millennial reign. That's Christianity. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is God's purpose and that is will. And we see now that this revelation is a stumbling stone grinding all kingdoms into powder. America will fall. Communism will fall. Marxism will fall. Everything will fall except the revelation of the atonement of Jesus Christ under two prophets. This uh, virus we got is only a plague, fulfilling of the prophecy and the cycle of God. For now we are protected from it because we are under the, what we call the Feast of Tabernacles. Now most people in the message do not study the Word to fill out where they're at. They look at the message as basically a code of conduct rules and regulation and bring themselves to an understanding we believe brother Branham that's it and that's as far as they go you can believe all of that and perish so we want to start this morning my subject is healing in the atonement now when I speak of healing I'm not talking about a toothache or disease per se I'm talking about a complete whole healing a deliverance from sin into immortality there is a whole healing in the atonement it has been provided for 2,000 years and not one group yet has received the full revelation expressed it in a spoken word or confession for God to conform it in a living group for immortality and resurrection this is the only age under the restoration of Malachi 4 that the understanding of the atonement should come into reality to us that it would be our confession for complete wholeness, our deliverance that we call healing. We are absolutely saved from disease. We're saved from sickness. You are as healthy, wealthy, and wise under God's covering as you ever will be. You are immortal as far as God is concerned. Now, we must take that rev revelation and possess the gates of our enemy, the spirit, mind, all the gates that would invade your body, your mind, and torment the soul. This is your territory. You are Lord over it. So you're not trying to get well. You're fighting to keep what God has already given you. Amen? 
So he said, I need to be healed. You're already healed. We're going to fight the enemy that's trying to take your health from you. That's what we're looking at. So healing in the atonement, I'm looking at basically complete healing, wholeness, immortal, no law of sin and death in our being. You say, well, it'll never reach that far. Yes, we are at that stage now. And that's what the message was designed to do. So let's look in the simple scripture of John 3, 14 to 21. We repeat this over and over. This is where the message people seem to stumble. This is where the fundamentals have problems. Because if you go to like a Joel Osteen meeting, he'll say, pray this prayer. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Forgive me my sins. I confess him as my Lord. And he'll say, now you're saved. Go join some good church. They're no more saved than nothing. You say, well, if the atonement took care of their sins, they must be saved. Yes, but there is a condition. You say, well, the, the blood is unconditional. It's unconditional on a condition. The blood has enough power to cover every sin for everybody, no matter what, on the condition that you walk in the light as he is in the light. All right? So that's what we want to look at and bring it down to healing. John 14, 3, 14, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and that was for the healing. They formed a brazen serpent. Serpents went among them. They bit them. They died. If they looked at the golden uh, serpent, which is a symbolic sign of the physician today, you look on any doctor's office, and they'll have the serpent on the stick there as a sign of healing. Once they looked at the brazen serpent, they were healed. In other words, the serpent, the brazen serpent was the answer for the bite or the poison of the serpent. Representing that there was an answer for the poison of sin. That if you look instantly, you will be delivered. We could say heal, but I'm looking at it as deliverance. We must be delivered. Brother Bram called for a total deliverance from all unbelief. Is that simple? It's not simple in our minds because it seems hard for us to grasp it to where we can control it by our mouth. We are amateur gods and we have the ability to speak. Our words are creative. And we have the authority now to speak and control atmosphere, conditions, even create as far as the prophet was concerned. Ours may be released down to creating atmospheres, relationships, but especially to your own body. Every individual is responsible for their own body. This is your tabernacle. This is your dwelling place. This is your house. This is your inheritance. This is what God gave you to live in this dimension for 70, 80 good prosperous years and extending that, if you basically are good to your parents or on and on like that, and then basically we depart out of here without any sickness or disease. Brother Ben said, something's got to take you out. Well, Dr. Kenyon, nothing took him out. He just said it was time to go home, laid down, went to sleep. That's the way each one of us should be able to go. It's my time is up. I've done, kept the faith. Just lay down, crossed his arm, took a deep breath, and he was gone. No pain, no suffering, no disease, no nothing. That, that would be wonderful. Amen. But I'm looking at laying down, crossing my arm, and just stepping into a new body and just keep right on going. 
I've preached it for 30-something years, and I believe it all the way to the end. So healing in the atonement. When Brother Brown left, he said, now you must take this message for your healing. Amen. Looked at it a long time. What does he mean? What does he mean, take this message for your healing? Well, if I don't cut my hair, and I don't wear pants, and I pay my tithes, and I go to church, and I don't get mad, and I don't get sad, and... How do you take this message for your healing? This message was a revelation of the perfect work of Calvary. The complete plus nothing work at Calvary. There's not one thing that you can do to atone or reconcile yourself to God by anything that you do. Except take God's word and believe it. All right. So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved, which the word saved is zozo, S-O-Z-O, healed or delivered. There's where every Baptist preacher usually stops. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If you believe on him, you shall have everlasting life. Who believes? Everybody says, amen, you're saved, glory to God, we're going to heaven. But they don't keep reading. We keep repeating this because there's a verse that follows us, not the complete thought. Verse 18, he that believeth on him, I'm going to put this, he that believeth on him as the ransom for sin, as the atonement from sin, as the answer to re reconcile to God, is not condemned. He that believeth on him, what are you believing? He's a good man, teacher. There's many faiths about Jesus. I think if he that believeth on him as the atonement, the reconcilement to God, the ransom for sin paid, the Redeemer, the perfect sacrifice, is not condemned. But he that believeth not in the atonement, not in the sacrifice, not in the complete work of Calvary, is condemned already. Why, Brother Greg? Because there's nothing else that will take away sin outside of the blood. You say, what about my works? Your works is good, but they won't get you any merit as far as sin is concerned. You can live in a cave and eat vegetables. It won't save you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ has power to save. Nothing outside of blood will atone for sin. The question is, has sin been atoned for once and for all? Yes. And that's what we must get across in our minds. What? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They say, well, I believe in that his name was Jesus. No, they do not believe in the name of Jehovah Savior. He was the one sent to save us from our sins. Period. This is the condemnation. Here is the point. Here is the judgment. Here is the crutch. That light is come into the world, 
And men love darkness. In other words, they want to worship. Here, Jesus would be referring to the law, animal sacrifice. They want to worship outside of the revealed truth. Every religious church today is called evil in the sight of God. Only a group restored by Malachi 4 that is worshiping God in spirit and in truth, the revealed word, is considered a true worshiper of God. Any order outside of that is not a true worshiper. They love darkness. In other words, they love the law. They love system. They love program. They love anything that has not the obedience of truth. Rather than light, because their deeds, what deeds? Cain's deed was offering the first fruits offering vegetables, the product of his labor as an atonement for sin, and it was rejected. His deeds were evil. You say, well, he presented an excellent sacrifice. Remember, we was on the excellent and more excellent. There is a more excellent way. Abel produced a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Cain's sacrifice was scriptural. It was the Pentecostal offering. But he bypassed the Passover blood. So the revelation was God will accept blood. Then you've got the Pentecostal feast that follows the atoning of blood. Then you've got rest and immortality that follows that. What's the procedure now? For everyone that doeth evil, in other words, worships outside of the revealed word of God, hateth the revelation of the hour. I'm putting it in our language. They hate the true revelation of predestination, election, and the sovereignty of God. They hate the works that they think they got to do to be saved. They rather do their own thing and go to hell than to obey and walk in simple truth and believe the light. You say, why would they want to do that? Because something's wrong inside of them. We'll just leave it right there. Watch. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Neither, lest his deeds should be reproved. You cannot get the ministry of this hour to come to the revelation of the one true God and one only begotten Son. You can't get the message of the hour to come to believe that the atoning work at Calvary was the answer for sin plus nothing. Every message church that I went to or ever heard, even including myself, has got a list from the top to the bottom of what you must do to remain saved, get saved, or stay saved. They will not let the people come to a rest in their salvation. I'm going to be the bearer of good news this morning. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, paid the ransom for our sin and sins. He becomes sin that we might become the righteous of God. Under the blood of Jesus Christ, God sees us absolutely perfect, sinless in His sight. We know in ourselves that we are not, but God sees us perfect. And when He hears our confession that the blood makes me perfect, our state and standing is one under the blood. That's how simple it is. But we don't feel saved by that way. We feel saved when we do something a little extra that others are not doing so we can be kindly a little more righteous than someone else. 
What part of our nature loves to see someone do something that I don't do? And you won't look over here to look what you're doing that they don't do. And that's what's wrong with Christianity. People will not accept the free gift of grace. So they look over here to people and say, well, they do this and they do that. And they talk this and they say this. Well, what about that? Trying to appease for what they want to do. They look at something wrong and then what do you got? You got mass confusion and no true worship of God. Because every one of us is in the same condition under the blood. Now you can be an actor. You can do good. You can have whatever more. But if I live with you 24-7 like my wife lives with me, we understand we're all humans. We all got these little old in Eccentrics, you know what I mean? These little elements that just don't seem to come out. Uh, I say, my mother in me. You've got something bred into you that's hard to get rid of. Say amen. Wouldn't you like to get rid of all the faults of your parents outside of you? You said, boy, I'd be free if I could get daddy out of me. I'd be free if I could get mama out of me. If I could get mama out of me and be as sweet as I'd like to be, everybody would love me. But since I can't get mama out of me, and I say things that I shouldn't say in a way that I don't really mean it, but it comes out like my mother would say it, bless her heart, 99 years old, it don't sound like it should sometimes. It sounds a little harsh sometimes. It sounds a little mm sometimes. It sounds a little eh, eh, eh. He thinks he's the only bull in the pasture sometimes. That's what they told me in Canada. Brother Gregory thinks he's the only bull in the pasture. Well, how many bulls do you need in the pasture? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, let's give God a praise for that. You don't, you don't need 15 preachers around telling you what you should do and shouldn't do. <laughs> you only need one of me. When I'm gone, God will give you another one. Amen. Maybe he'll give you a young, young one that lasts another 30 years. But he that doeth truth... And truth will make you free. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make us free from sin, sickness, depression, mental affliction, relationships, sorrow. You keep right on going. That his deeds may be made manifest... That they are wrought in God. How many has ever brought your faults to the Lord? I'll start ever. Lord, forgive me of my stupidity. Forgive me of my weaknesses and yielding to the weaknesses of the flesh. Forgive me for not understanding the word as I should. Forgive me for not being the servant that I should to minister to the people as I should. Don't have the compassion that I ought to have. Forgive the congregation. Confess all your faults and weakness before God. Then ask them to strengthen you and replace everything by the love of Christ. So now people comes into Christianity today. And you'll notice the silent voice in America today is what? The voice of the church. We hear everybody's voice. And let me understand the prophet told you in 1961 or 62 that our government is being filled up with communists. And communism would take over America. And bring it to its destruction. And the Communist Party and Marxist Party has taken over what we call the Democratic Party. 
Now, we only got two channels of any way for to have a voice. Both Democrats and Republicans are rotten as a core. There's no difference in one of them. All your Republicans are actually Democrats, but none of your Democrats are actually Republicans. Amen. There's no difference in them. But the Republican Party is the only thing that's close that would leave us alone, basically. Let us have church and let us do what more. So basically we say, well, that's our only vote, vote for this. That's the only thing we got. Well, I don't vote for bo either one. If you don't vote for the right, the wrong is going to take over and destroy America, which it will. One's already told you they're going to have a black woman as a vice president, which will take over as president about six months after the election. Then you'll have a black woman president that will bring the world and America down to its knees and be destroyed. It's coming. But there's also a promise of deliverance. The bride will not go through this great tribulation. So the church is telling people to go to God and proclaim to believe in Jesus, died for their sins, and say, Lord, save me, and think they are saved. They are not. Brother Branham hit that real hard to the Baptist. had many debates. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost after you believed? Amen. See, have we been delivered? Let me put it this way. This is hard on us. Have we been delivered from the desire to sin after we believed and was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Think about it. The baptism of the Holy Ghost removes the desire to sin. The Bible says it has no more conscience to sin, which means desire to sin. Light come in the garden. The light come in the garden and revealed that blood by sacrifice was the word of God for that hour to Abel. In other words, the word of the, the light of that hour was blood by sacrifice. And when that was turned down now by Cain, he became the evil one. Now here's John 3, 16 and 17. Light is coming to the world, and he that believeth shall be saved one more. This is the condemnation. All right? Therefore, people are not born again unless you accept the light that comes in the hour in which you're leaving, living are the word of the hour. Therefore, so it is with your healing. People are trying to be healed outside of accepting the light for the day. Well, I don't like that Perugia stuff. I don't believe the seals are open. I don't believe Brother Branham did. I don't believe he said that. I don't believe this. I don't believe that. And expect your healing. This message was a revelation of the atonement. It was the perfect revelation of Jesus Christ. And the revelation of the atonement makes us complete. Only thing we have to do then is put on the whole armor of God and protect that which has been given to us. You say, well, I don't want to fight. You will fight to keep your health, your wealth, and your being and your sanity until we are changed into immortality. If we can believe the Word of God for healing, and we must, or let's put it this way, if we can believe the Word for salvation, we have got to believe the same Word for healing. Amen. It seems to be hard for us to accept 
and believe the double cure of Calvary. The double cure. Matter of fact, it's more than one cure. You go to Isaiah. What is it? I was wounded for his transgression, bruised for his iniquity, to chastise my peace upon him. Uh, he bore our griefs and sorrow. And then by his stripes we are healed. All of that is atonement. Now we like this wounded for our transgression, shedding of the blood saved me. But his stripes healed you. The, the crowns on his throat took care of your griefs and sorrows. The nail printed in his hand took care of what? Wounded for a transgression. Sorrows upon him. The five-fold sheddings of the blood covered every element of Isaiah 53, making the blood perfect atonement between you and God. Amen. Didn't place us as innocent like Adam. It made us complete, perfect, give us a state and standing before God under the blood as complete, yes. sinless, no charge laid to us at all. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't. I'm not talking about what we have done. I'm not talking about the weakness of the flesh. I'm talking about what God's Word says we are to Him. And He's looking for a group of people that will absolutely open their mouth and confirm the Word of God to themselves by confessing what He has already done and said. Amen. So when we speak of healing now, the word healing, most people think of sickness, pain, what more. That's true. They think of it physically. But the prophet approached healing holistic from the soul out. Inside out. The word healing means so, S-O-Z-O. I don't know whether that, what they got up there. S-O-Z-O, which actually means deliverance. So when the Bible speaks of healed, using the word sozo, it means delivered. By stripes you are delivered, healed, set free, made whole, cleansed, perfected. Glory to God. How many would like to be delivered from every evil thought, power, principality, sickness, disease, and everything else this morning? I don't know whether we even realize how we would feel that way. Because I don't know what it is for that demon up there, that voice that keeps talking. You can't turn him off like a radio. You can go to sleep and he's still talking. Some of the weirdest junk ever goes on up there. I don't know where it all comes from. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit of heaven, a little bit of hell, and a whole lot of nowhere else. In my dreams, I'm about 17, 18 years old. In my dreams, I've seen some of you smoking the other night. How many smokers we got in here? I seen you smoking. What does smoking represent? Sin. Now I'm going to be a prophet and I'm going to interpret that, praise God, and give a legalistic message. You're going to hell. So all that spiritual mind whatever more is out there, I don't have a clue how to control that. But I know one thing the Bible said that I can open my mouth and declare the abundance of my heart and bring my body subject to what I say. And I resist the devil in the name of Jesus. And every pain and every disease and every sorrow and every temptation has to leave 
Because of the perfect work of Calvary. You said, that's awful simple gospel. Do you think Jesus come and died and took sin to set up a kingdom of people that has problems and what are more that he can doctor and heal us and talk to us and give us counseling for a thousand years? No, he wants a group of people that he done the work on Calvary once and for all, set out on the throne of God and waiting for the Father to make his redemption true. We are perfect in his sight. Amen. Now he's come down here to prove it to us. Watch. Actual deliverance. The Bible teaches that we can be delivered from sickness. How many believes that? In other words, we can be saved from sickness. So we have a sickness. Let's just think as being a sinner. Being a sinner, you need to be saved from your sins. How can I get saved from my sins? How do I get saved from my sins? Oh, I got to get down to the altar and pray. What are you going to pray? Lord, save me. Why should he save you? Tell him how good you are to give him a reason to save you. You can't think of one. Matter of fact, if you get down and tell you how rotten you are, how bad you would like to be, would be, could be, and are most of the times, and you need a Savior outside of yourself because you don't have a clue how to take care of yourself. And I'm helpless without your help. Would you please help me? He'll take you right straight to the Word of God and say, I love you so much that I give my son to die for you. That if you believe upon him, your sins are gone. And you're sanctified by the confession of your own mouth. You say, well, I thought I had to quit doing something. That's the way you quit doing it. I'm a non-smoker. I don't drink. I don't cuss and I don't chew. I don't even like to be around people that do anymore. Say amen with me this morning. We're all in this boat going somewhere. We need to be saved. Not a person in this building this morning that don't need to be saved from something. I mean, he's got a little disease, affliction, hard hearing, eyeglasses, everything else on the body. We need to be saved from that. How are you going to be saved? It's of the devil. You're going to get saved from that just like you got saved from your sins. You confess your sins to God, put them in the blood, and then in the name of Jesus Christ, proclaim your deliverance. And by the word out of your mouth, you shall have what you say. That's what he's talking. You mean I've got to start talking? You either start talking or the devil's going to beat you to death. Like the old story I've told over and over, the fighter goes out there and he comes back and his nose is bleeding, his eyes are swelled up. Blood coming out of his ears. He told him, he said, man, that guy's beating a tarnit. He said, it didn't touch you. He didn't lay a hand on you. He said, you, you got him going now. He's wore out. He's tired. You'll get him in this round. He goes out and beats him some more. He stumbles over there. He said, man, this guy, he's just beating a tarnit. He said, it didn't touch you. He said, well, I don't know whether he touched me or not, but somebody out there is beating a tar out of me. <laughs> we may not declare the devil's doing it, but somebody in this realm of darkness Fear, disease, complexes, relationships, everything else, psychotic, neurotic, nervous, breakdown, blood pressure, sugar, diabetes. Can I think of it anymore? All of that comes from one source, right out of hell. It's a product of sin. Let's get saved from sin. Let's come to the blood, put our sins under the cross, and declare our freedom and deliverance from sin. 
This message promised us total deliverance. Total deliverance. We don't have to accept one little buckshot from the devil. Not one. God can and will make us whole on what basis? Put that in your notes. Faith in that word that has life. That's the only basis. Faith in the word that has life. For life brings healing. Take this message for your healing. Take this message for your immortality. Take this message for your deliverance. Take this message for the answer to your problem. Hearing, seeing, digestion, sugar, fat, on and on and on. Holistic. Eat right. Sleep right. Drink right. Think right. Talk right. Walk right. And you will be right. You said, it's just as easy as me talking. Yeah, oh, Lord, I've got this headache. Would you please deliver me from this headache? How did you get the headache? You claimed it. Why don't you say, headache, in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Calvary? My Lord took this pain upon him. Now, pain, in the name of Jesus you have no claims on my body. And any organ or any nerve or anything else that's contributing to the pain, you quiet down and you function right in Jesus' name. Amen. you got to talk to your body. Talking about the spoken word? Oh, I'll be glad when we get the spoken You have the spoken word. I'm not interested in speaking a squirrel into existence. I'm interested in having right blood pressure. Right rhythm in my heart. Nothing up here on my brain to keep me from thinking right. Nothing in my joints to keep me from walking. Nothing in my ears to keep me from hearing. Nothing in my eyes to keep me from seeing. I want everything perfect. You say, well, Brother Gray, we're getting older. That has not one thing to do with it. It didn't say you'll be healthy until you get 25. He said, you'll be healthy all the way through and even into eternity. How many believes if you step over into a glorified body, all your diseases, problems, heart problems, everything else will be gone? Brother Van said, you already have immortal life in you now. What are we doing with it then? I got immortality in me. I got enough power in me to speak a world that existed and carry all this junk around with me. I'm talking about me, you, and all of us. See, God can make us whole on the basis that we believe the word of life. Now, I put some notes in there. You could be misunderstanding because I may have misphrased it just a little bit. But healing is just uh, the body is just a, I don't even like to put it that way because it's all a part of the whole. But it's just a little lower than salvation for the soul. Just a little lower. Little bit, just a little difference there. Brother Bam called it a minor, but it's not really a minor, it's a part of the whole. Making salvation for the soul the major point, because if you lose your soul, then that's it, period. No matter how healthy your body, what more you got, that soul is the most preeminent. 
For the Bible tells us, fear not him who can destroy the body, but him that can destroy both body and soul in hell. So there is a small degree, let's say, of difference between the healing of the body and the salvation of the soul. There's not enough difference for me to divide it. Because the same faith that saved me is the same faith that healed me. All right. So healing is available to us and we can be delivered. In other words, we can be saved from sickness. We can be made whole. Now, the prophet took a direct approach to healing, which was the Pentecostals' um, ministry for that hour. Gifts, laying on the hands, A. E. Allen, Oral Roberts, Brother Branham had the gift. All the men had the gifts of tents and Jack Cole and all those. Had the gift of laying on the hands, taking a direct approach to healing. In other words, Brother Branham took that direct approach for others because of his gift. He was given a gift for the healing of the people, and he used that gift for healing. For himself, you'll notice that his gift did not deliver him. Paul's gift did not deliver him. Elisha died sick. So there is an element in there, maybe a revelation to it. There is an element in there whereby God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He was given a thorn in the flesh for the abundance of revelation. But, and I've heard preachers say, well, I, I've got this problem. I'm like Paul. Well, I've got a problem, and I'm not near like Paul. God has not given me affliction to keep me mellowed down in how much revelation I got. It's just an affliction of the devil, and that we've got a warfare going on, and I'm going to win the battle. Amen. Amen. That's just the bottom line of it. You're just going to win the battle. So, Brother Branham, as far as we know, he said he was healed about 30 days before. He told us the story of the, the squirrel hitting his chest and missing what more, and he claimed that he was healed. But his affliction carried on most of his life. So, he took a holistic approach. And he told us after he's left, he said, now take this message for your healing or the atonement. You must look now not at the gift, not at the direct approach, but look at the atonement that is the perfect way for healing. So let's look at the atonement for healing. In Romans 5.11, hope you don't mind a little lesson this morning. Romans 5.11 tells what? And not only so, but notice now, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we joy in God, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, this is the only place in the New Testament that the word atonement, A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T, -E -E in the New Testament is written. It should have been translated reconciliation, because that's what the word means. Reconciliation. Be reconciled. 2 Corinthians 5.18, watch now. Same theme. All and all things are of God. Notice. Who hath reconciled us or made atonement for us to himself by Jesus Christ. There's no other atoning work or thing except Jesus Christ, his bloodshed to the point of death. That will make reconcilement to God. You want peace with God? You say, well, I'm not happy. I don't have peace. Then something's wrong with your relationship between you and God. 
There's something wrong with the soul realm. It's not at peace. Once your relationship with God is satisfied by your faith in Jesus Christ, of whom he gave to make atonement and reconcile him to you, that's the only thing that will bring peace to your heart. Watch 2 Corinthians 5, 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Paul keeps saying that. He hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. So Paul's revelation, Paul's gospel, the New Testament, is Paul's revelation of the perfect work of Calvary by Jesus Christ himself. I know nothing except Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Paul's revelation was the Feast of Tabernacles revealed to bring you to a perfect rest with God and basically place us in a rapture in a millennium. Hebrews 2.17, Whereunto all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Reconciliations. Be con reconciled. Be made one. God is not our enemies. We're only enemies to God in our minds. But we're not enemies, period, because God is not at war with you. God has been reconciled. He's already provided the peace treaty, paid the price if we will accept it. So reconciliation, which means atonement to me, at one with or at one moment, speaks to the condition of being one with others or, in this case, speaking of our relationship to God our Father. You have been reconciled to God, your Father. There's not one thing that He has in His mind against you, period. It's settled as far as God is concerned. Now we have to settle that in our minds. Will we accept what God provided for reconciliation? Will we have faith in the sacrifice of the created Son of God? Will we accept Jesus Christ his death, His burial, and His resurrection as our righteousness, our atonement, our reconciliation, making us perfect under the blood as sons and daughters of God. We're under the Feast of Tabernacles in the Seventh Church Age. We'll read that in a few minutes, which means that we're at rest now. We're at the stage of immortality. There's only one move to make, and that is the kingdom coming. So the word atonement is a reference to the sacrifice that Jesus made in order to reconcile sinners to a holy God. The atonement is the work Christ did in his life and death to earn our salvation. We see this picture by Jesus himself in Mark 10, 45. For he says in 10, 45, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why didn't he say for all? Because he knew every name that was on the Lamb's book of life that would believe. There's some names in the Lamb's book of life that don't believe and that's actually taken out of the book of life. But there's names that are in the Lamb's book of life that he come to redeem that can't be taken out. We cannot refuse to believe. We are believers by an inborn nature of soul that come from God to start with. And when we hear the good news 
good news of the gospel that we are saved, that we have been made perfect in our relationship to our Father has been reconciled, that the first Adam put us in, Jesus put us back in, there's nothing between us and our Father, and we have the authority of the inherited name of Jesus, which is the renewal name of our Father God, that has power over every devil, every disease, everything that's in existence, the name of Jesus has power over it, and every knee will bow to the name of Jesus Christ when spoken in faith of who you are and what you are. Give his life as a ransom for many. Why? Because of Leviticus 17, 11 tells us this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement, at one for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. The blood atones the soul. Why? Because the life was in the blood, and that takes you right back to the serpent seed and the seed of Adam. That's the reason it was the revelation of the blood. Life is in the blood. Cain was not in Adam. That's the reason he could not hear the truth or accept the truth or walk in the light. Every seed in Adam will be saved, was saved, and will be saved. Praise be to God. That, that ought to relieve every pressure that we got. You say, well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God that was created for the sacrifice to restore your relationship back to the Father? And that atoning work saved the many, which was what? In Christ before the foundation of the world. Your name was in that book to start with. You're not saved and somebody put your name in the book. You finally made it. Your name's in the book and He come to redeem every name in the book. That's the reason you're sitting here this morning. Somewhere the Holy Spirit read your name, come down to your time. He had a hard time getting some of you in. Can you say amen to that? Some of you like to take off and escape. But how many knows there's no escape from the presence of God? I can go to the bottom of the ocean. I can go to hell and what more. And you are there with me also. You can't run from God. Why? You're a part of Him and no part of God will be lost. Period. If you realize that, then we ought to be able to stand up and take authority as we must in this hour. And watch. I give you notes taking you through the blood sacrifices and the uh, lamb. We want to uh, Hebrews chapter 10 in your notes. Hebrews chapter 10 is where Paul takes you through the day of atonement. It shows you that the law was the shadow of good things to come. But not the very image of the things that can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers undo perfect. That was the day of atonement. Where the high priest, he tells you, goes into the holiest of all, offers the blood for himself and for others. And if that blood was accepted when he walked out of the holiest all out here, Every sin for one perfect year, the nation, disease, everything else, they were perfect for one year. Then he goes on and said, well, if the blood of bulls and goats cannot relieve sin and cannot take care of the sin, how much more than the blood of one man? See? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice 
For sins forever set down to the right hand of God. From his forth expect until his enemies may made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are set apart by the blood. Sanctified. What a wonderful work of Calvary. Therefore, according to Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgression. By his stripes we are healed. The atonement, reconciliation, provided health to our body and prosperity to our whole being. God has put a million dollars in your checking account. He has made your body perfectly healthy. He has cleansed your soul and you are perfect in the sight of God. There's not one thing wrong with you. There's not one problem that you got. And you say, well, uh, surely he knows me. I, I've got this problem. I got, I'm suffering. I don't have. No, no. You are perfect in the eyes of God. You're just as rich as you say you are. Just as healthy as you say you are. Just as righteous as you say you are. What do you mean by that? Just what I said. I've said over and over and over through the year. We're destroyed by the words out of our own mouth. And we'll come to it. Watch. Romans 5.10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. When was you reconciled to God? When you went to the altar, when you was baptized? No, 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 no. You was reconciled to God 2,000 years ago when Jesus gave up the ghost and said it was finished. You were saved, you were healed, you were made perfect at that moment. And when God brought that soul out, picked up that body, ascended to high and sat on the right hand of the Father... You were redeemed, you were saved, you were healed. Amen. It was over. And we have waited for every name through seven church ages, walking in the very harmony of God's plan for every name in that book to be expressed and manifested on earth. What do you mean express? I believe. Spoken word. To spoken word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That word in your mouth, you are an amateur God. When you speak that word, that word is God. And you have the authority to speak. We'll get to this just in a few minutes. Colossians, for it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross. Peace. There's no, God is not angry with you this morning. He's, he's done everything that He can do. He's made it just as simple as whatever more. It's up to you and I. Watch. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Had problems in heaven, the blood took care of that too. And you that were sometimes alienating enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. You're sitting here as a sinner this morning, away from God, Straying a lot more, but you have been reconciled. We have been sent as a minister of reconciliation. God is not mad at you. He's welcomed you to come home. Sons, come on home. Daughters, come on home. Confess your rights. Confess your sins. Plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Realize who you are. Get right. Clean up your life. Do right. Won't hurt you to do right. Don't hurt your women to get the scissors out of your hair. You say, well, that's legal. It's not legal. There's a spiritual spirit there. You find a, a woman cuts her hair, she's going to have problems with necks, she's going to have problems with pants. Why? Because she don't want no headship. She don't want anybody telling her what to do. She wants to be the boss. Come on now. 
And now you got the picture out of line. Eve got out of line. Adam was made her head, not co-equal. He made her head. Every woman must have a head. You say, I got to be married to be Satan. No, you got to have a head. If you're not married, then Christ must be your head. But the man said, your pastor is your spiritual head, but every woman must have a head. Well, we got a few amens out of the few brothers there. I, I, I guess you got your wife straightened out or what more. You're not worried about it. Listen, sisters, salvation is just following the simple truth. It's not hard to be saved. Well, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Yeah, you want to. Then you're an alien and an enemy of God in your mind. And you better watch it because that day is coming to a close. God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Soul prospers. You put that word down in your heart and you confess it out of your mouth. Watch that soul prosper. Watch what your body does. You put the right food in your body. Drink plenty of liquids. Not mean, I don't mean beer, coffee, alcohol to kill yourself. I mean drink good clean water. Hydrate your body. That body will heal itself because the power of God is in that soul. And that soul will bring you to a perfect health. So I don't believe that. That's the problem. We don't believe the simple word of God. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. It tells you all about the day of atonement, what God done in type and whatever more. It said, neither by blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood he entered into the once, uh, in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the, and the ashes of a helper sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This revelation will purge the desire to sin out of your heart. There's something down there that's got to be killed. Every one of us is born with it. That little spirit that come in that we love so well in little babies and how nice they are, that's a little devil that come in and you let it grow up two or three years and you'll see that demon come out of there. Oh, they're so sweet. Don't you think the devil is sweet? Every sweet preacher I ever had, you had to watch. He'll stab you in the back every time. Well, I don't like these rough creatures that tell me this. He's the only guy that's interested in your soul. Don't you think I'd like to be proper with people and nice with people and be Mr. Nobility and whatever more and everybody love me? Sure, everybody does that. But I knew if everybody loved me and told me how sweet it was, I knew good and well I was not preaching you the truth. I'm interested in your soul first. Now I'm interested in your spirit, second. And now I'm interested in your body, third. Because we are in resurrection season now. We're fixing to change and get out of here. This message will bring healing to our whole being. I don't know how to preach it any harder. Watch now. Let me move over here just a little bit. We understand on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. You hear a lot of preachers preaching, we've got to get back to Pentecost. 1906, Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, repeated the book of Acts chapter 2. That was the bringing in of the Pentecostal feast, renewing it once again. We find the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church on the day of Pentecost in direct harmony with the feast of Israel that they were serving. Jesus was crucified on the day of Passover. The veil was rent, and they looked and seen the Passover lamb on the cross. The veil was rent from the top to the bottom, showing us that it was not 
The mercy seat was an open, plain view for anybody that wanted to see it. And Jesus on the cross was the mercy seat for humanity. On the day of Pentecost, so many days later, the Holy Spirit fell in direct harmony with the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost, proving that every feast of Israel was only a type of the reality, and that reality has to be fulfilled in every individual. Amen. We must come to our Passover lamb. We must come to our day of Pentecost, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then the Feast of Trumpet blows, Paul's gospel come out, set forth the perfect atonement of Jesus Christ, and placed us on the Feast of Pentecost that rests under perfection. In this hour, we find it repeated. Brother Brown's ministry at the opening of the seven seals brought us right back to the fullness of the atonement. He preached in what? Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Now that you are the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ, there's not one sin laid to your charge. The blood made you perfect. God does not see your sin. You are sinless in the eyes of God. And every person in here should say amen, hallelujah. Because if I'm sinless, that don't do something for you. Something's wrong on the inside of you. Paul's gospel pointed us in type to the blowing of the trumpets. He blowed the uh, trumpet, which means what? Here's the message of the atonement. He brought forth the atonement, but we find that the Jews would not accept Jesus as the sacrifice for sin in his perfection. Now then, spiritually, we are under the, basically, the, under the Feast of Tabernacles. Brother Branham said, and we'll close this morning. I'll stop right here. The Feast of Tabernacles was the last feast. The seventh feast. We are worshiping now under the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh church age. Now let that sink in real deep, because the message people will not accept it. We are worshiping now under the Feast of Tabernacles, the Seventh Church Age. In the millennium, we'll be under the Feast of Tabernacles again in the seventh day. Then he goes all the way to the restoration of the word of the hour and coming back to the eighth day, which is eternity again. I'll make it short, Karen. If y'all want to come, we'll make it short. And I'll just, you can read the notes, but watch. If we're celebrating under the Feast of Tabernacles, Pentecost, having repeated the Feast of Pentecost once again by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, restoration of the gifts. That went on through the early 50s to the early 60s, then the seals opened, which was what? The atonement come back in plain view again. After the seals opened, Brother Bam, being an Armenian or an illegalist, until the opening of the seven seals, when he got to about the fifth or sixth seal, he understood what? He said, it was simpler than I thought. I almost missed it myself. It was the blood plus nothing. Then he become a complete, strict Calvinistic of predestination and election. He saw that the blood of atonement took care of you because you was predestinated before the foundation of the world. He brought in the revelation of the atonement in his fullness that there's no sin to lay to your charge. You're the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. He never could get the church or Pentecost to believe that, and they still don't believe it. Because we in light... As far as I understand, most message churches are legalists. They look at everything that you do or don't do and consider the state that you're in by your conduct, your dress, and what you don't do, and whatever more, and whatever more, and whatever more. If we're under the Feast of Tabernacles, remember it's the Feast of Trumpets, the opening of the seventh seal, first and second pull, trumpet, gospel message. The seals open up. Then if we're under the Feast of Tabernacles, what happened to the Day of Atonement? Now, they'll all accept that Brother Branham was the seventh Trump, Feast of Trumpets. 
they want to skip the Day of Atonement and wonder when we'll ever get to the Feast of Tabernacles or rest. This message was the revelation of the perfect atonement of Jesus Christ. You never done it in the first place. That is the revelation to you. You are the sinless, virtuous bride of Christ. There was no sin laid to your charge. By receiving the word of the hour, you were elected to hear, and that hearing proved your predestination. Come on now. And identifying with that in water baptism, which was a revelation also, identified you as a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Placing you now under the Feast of Tabernacles, which is at rest. We're at rest with God. We're at peace with God. As far as God is concerned, it's over for us. Only waiting for that voice, that confession, to come out of your mouth of who you are, what you are, and begin to speak and claim and possess your inheritance, which is your body. We've got to possess the gates of our enemy. One more point. I put it in your notes. You can read it. I put it down on paper easier than I can speak it. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, listen. That was not a petition. He did not petition. He did not request something from God. He took his authority and spoke to the problem. And it was done. When he said, therefore, when you pray, believe that you receive what you ask for, or if you say to this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, and believe that what you, you can have it. Taking your authority and speaking to the problem is what Jesus is calling prayer. You don't get out and tell God your problem. He already knows all about it. And as far as God is concerned, you don't have a problem. Because he's already given you the solution. He gave you the revelation of who you are. And as Brother Bam said, if you ever realize who you are and that you can do the greater works, you'll be an invincible army. If you're an invincible army, what army are you fighting? These demons out here called viruses, diseases, fear, heartache, terror, anger, malice, insanity, neurotics, and everything else. These are demon powers out there on people. Screaming and hollering and beating on sticks and beating on cars and throwing rocks and whatever more and jumping up and down and having a Pentecostal fit. There's demon possession. And they had two of these, I call them almost like slum hippies. I mean, they looked like dogs out of a gutter. And come to find out when they put them on TV and arrest them, they were lawyers, educated, they had degrees in law. These kids has only done they all done went to school and have college degrees after degree and they didn't have nothing to do. They were bored and they were out here beating on buildings and burning up cars more. These are educated people beyond their intelligence, as so and so said. These are not weirdos, not educated, poor people. These are these rich kids that never had nothing but a computer and gimme, 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 and now nothing satisfies them. They are demon possessed. And it is moving across the nation. Brother Branham said he saw America burning from coast to coast. And if, the, if, the, if these people are not stopped, and they don't look like they're going to be by prophecy, they're going to burn every city in America down to the core. And like he said, when they get out here in redneck country, out of New York, out of California, 
rednecks are going to shoot them. And Brother Bannum said they're going to lead his people, Martin Luther, to a bloodbath. We're coming to a climax of this civil war. We are in a war. It is going on for your mind. Now they're coming forth destroying and whatever they can. And we're going to give and give and give. If we give very much, we're going to give away our freedom, our country, and our whole thing. I say it's time to stand. Put this word in your mouth. You're not going to be able to go to the doctors. These things are shutting down on us. You're going to have to have the power to speak to your body to be delivered out of here. And the only hope of civilization is that little element called the bride of Jesus Christ. And she will be delivered by the word in her mouth. Amen. Let's stand this morning, would you? I'm glad to be a part of the gospel myself. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. i give you a little written in, a clue here. I said right here, open your mouth and speak to the problem. Open your mouth and speak to the problem. I'm a redeemed child of God. The atonement made me free from any of your lies, that lies of the devil. Any pain you got, any disease you got, any problem that you have in your body, it's nothing but a lying devil invading your territory, invading your rights, resisting your authority, resisting your authority. Because by our mouth or something in our heart, we have given him the legal right to camp out on our property. Let's don't be like that lovely mayor in Seattle. I think they're just having a love fest. Well, brother, after they destroy about four blocks, wrote every demonic slur that you can find in heaven and hell on the walls, painted everything on the streets, piled up everything by the junk that took two days for truckloads to haul out of there, raping and killing and everything else, I think they're doing more than having a little love fest. That devil is not having a little camp out in your body. Yeah, we might endure it. We might say, okay, it, maybe it'll go away. Maybe, I don't, I don't want to. No, no. It's time for us to take charge of our bodies, put the word in our mouth, and fight. Amen. Having done all to stand, let's stand. Amen. Health is mine. Wealth is mine. Amen. My body is my inheritance. Your body is your inheritance. We will possess the gates of our enemy. We'll take over our conscience, our emotions, our feelings, and everything else. We'll conquer this lip right here, our mouth. And we'll take the authority of who we are and speak to the problem. And the Bible guarantees you that that pain will stop in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to have to fight for immortality. You're not going to sit around here and float around in communism, Marxism, without opening your mouth and taking a stand for it. Well, I don't want to get hit upside the head. The devil's already hit you on all four sides of your ears. How much more are we going to let him take from us? He's already took our time. He's already took our minds. He's already took our Bible study. He's took our worship away from us. He's took our desire to go to church. He's took our, he's take, how much land are we going to give him? Come on, See? We give him up conduct. We put TVs back in our house. We've done this. We've done that. We just give a little, give a little, give a little. Give. See, we just don't want to fight. We just don't want to fight. What's well, hard, hard to resist? No, it's not hard to resist. Something wrong. 
Well, everybody else does it. Yeah, but I don't want to go to hell with everybody else. I want to go out of here without dying. Come on. That's what my whole ministry has been around. We are ready for immortality. Immortality is mine. Praise God. That's my ministry. That's what I preached for 35 years. We will have it. And some of you are going with us. Praise God. How many is ready to go? <laughs> Praise God. It's mine. I may be old, but I want to see the rapture in this hour. And I said, God, let me preach that third pull. I didn't know I preached it for 25 years before I understood what I was even preaching. This is the third pull. You are the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. If you are born again, I'll put the big if there. If you're born again and you're a true believer, there's no way that you're going to get out of the presence of Almighty God. He may let you stumble. He may let you go in a manure pile and smell like a goat for a while. But he'll bring you in like the prodigal son and clean you up. He will not lose a one of his. Praise be to God. You say, well, I'm going to go out and do so-and-so. Oh, my God, I feel sorry for you. Because I've never seen anybody go out that didn't get a whipping. Their life goes to hell. Their relationships goes to pot. Their mind goes somewhere else. Their body's done whatever more. It's a wreck out there. That devil will take you and beat you, kill you, sick you, and everything else. He is not your friend. He is your enemy. And you better recognize it too. All right? And that little friend you got that's so sweet that's trying to talk you into this and that, they're not your friend. You're talking to a devil. If you don't believe you are, just stand up and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I don't want to do that and see what they, oh, yeah. Yeah, then you'll have it. Let's sing. What are you going to sing? I've been delivered. I've been delivered.